Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 127, which we will together look at this morning. Psalm 127. I'm going to read the text from the ESV, and then later on I will give you my own translation. The heading is, Unless the Lord Builds the House. A song of ascent of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who will build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Amen. May the Lord bless this precious word. I brought you a little picture this morning of a beautiful farmhouse north of Hamburg. I'm from Hamburg, Germany, although we are ministering about 10 hours south of Hamburg now in Vienna, Austria. This house you will find in the midst of very lumptious, rich um, fruit plantations, large fruit plantations just south of Hamburg. And the typical farmhouses here are these thatched roof, half-timber thatched roof houses. And for hundreds of years, families have lived in these houses. And for hundreds of years, these were Protestant family, God-fearing families. And oftentimes, over the doorpost, you will find scripture passages or Christian sayings. Among them, this very well-known phrase, an Gottes Segen ist alles gelegen. An Gottes Segen ist alles gelegen, which is Luther's translation of Psalm 127. It's his heading of Psalm 127 in all the Luther Bibles. All depends on God's blessing. All depends on God's blessing. And what a wonderful motto, what a wonderful theme as a farmer to live, saying, you know, here for generations we have had these fruit plantations and it all depends on the blessing of the Lord that we will bring in yet another good harvest. It is the Lord who has built this house where we have raised our families and oftentimes even their cattle, their animals were housed in these farmhouses. All depends on God's blessing. And that is what this Psalm 127 teaches us. All depends on God's blessing. And Gottes Segen ist alles gelegen. This is a Psalm of Solomon, it's a psalm of ascent, and it's a wisdom psalm. It, it teaches the people of God to live wise lives. And wise life can be summarized in these words, that we live by the fact all depends on God's blessing. Alles an Gottes Segen ist alles gelegen. And what we want to do this morning is look more deeply at this Psalm 127, um, we will do something like a look at the book, 
really detailed look at the poetry and what is Solomon saying, telling us with the psalm. And then I would like to illustrate this truth um, by the last four years of church planting in Vienna and how indeed we have experienced the Lord's blessing and that he has done far beyond what our efforts could have accomplished. But then I also want to apply this text to your life situation, where you are, that, that each one of us learns to live by this wisdom. All depends on God's blessing. So maybe now we can move on to the second picture. And what I gave you here is a little bit color-coded, this text that we just read from the ESV. Just for you to see some of the patterns even that the poet Solomon um, is using to communicate these beautiful truths. Unless the Lord builds the house, in vain labor those who build it. And then the exact phrase again, unless the Lord watches the city. And now again, in vain guard those who watch it. And now the pattern is broken. In verse 2 now, we have the second part, the second phrase as part number one. Rather than saying yet one more time, unless the Lord, he continues with, in vain is for you the early effort to rise, the late effort of sitting awake, the eating of the bread of anxious toil. But now Solomon compensates the missing first part of this third line by adding another part at the end when he says, yes, or thus he gives to his beloved in his sleep. Yes, he and he. So here we see again, the Lord is repeated. And just as he builds the house and he watches the city, he is the one now who gives to his beloved in the sleep. So we come here to the first climax of the psalm. Yes, actually to the climax of the entire psalm. If you read this psalm in Hebrew, you will count 57 words. And up to the yes, or thus he gives, we have 26 words in the Hebrew. And then we have this phrase, thus he gives to his beloved in the sleep. That's in Hebrew, four words. And guess what? Verses 3, 4, and 5 are yet another 27 words. So right in the center... Yeah, 26 words, then this middle phrase with four words, and then another 27 words. Right smack in the center, we find these words that really summarize for us what Solomon wants to tell us with the psalm. Yet, thus the Lord giveth, he giveth to his beloved sleep. What a wonderful truth. We labor. We build, we watch, we guard. We stay up late, we rise early in the toils of life. And yet that all is grounded in the fact, Lord, you will bless all these toils. You, we are your beloved and you give us sleep. 
Now, it's interesting that in the German versions, all the translators actually translate here, he gives to his beloved in the sleep. While we're sleeping, while we're sleeping, the Lord continues to work for us. And that is what we rest in. That's what we're grounded in. That, that, that while I'm weak, while I'm ready to give up, while I'm exhausted and, and while things rise beyond me, the Lord continues to work. And He's the one who ultimately gives the blessing. In the English translations, you translate it, yes, He gives to His beloved sleep. We can rest. We can rest assured. The Lord is going to take care. He's in charge. He, he knows what needs to be done and He will bring us through. And who does He do this for? He does it for His beloved. For His favorite ones. For His friends. Those that He loves, He's on their side and He blesses them. Now, in these wisdom songs, in these songs of ascent, and Psalm 127 is one of these songs. It's actually Psalms 120 all the way through 134. These 15 psalms are the, we call them the songs of ascent. It's, it's psalms that the people would sing as they go up to Jerusalem. And in these psalms, the theme of God's shalom, of God's peace, is a key theme. And so when Solomon here says, yes, he gives to his beloved sleep, then that's exactly what he's pointing to. He gives us peace. He gives us shalom. The shalom is an all-around peace. It is a security. It is wholeness. It's prosperity. It's success. It is rest. And that is what the Lord gives to his beloved. And isn't shalom that what we all are yearning for, what we all are wishing? Last week we were um, in Duncan County outside of Raleigh, North Carolina. Very rural. We were visiting with friends and I was just like, wow, there's just so many ways of shalom, of peace. Yeah, We're staying on a farm and the wife of my friend said, I don't have to worry living on this farm. I mean, with all those guns we have in this house, we are safe. I mean, that's a piece, that's, that's a kind of shalom. And then we were talking about the little country church that they were worshiping in and how they were worshiping in this little, they call it the mission house. It's this little red brick house, beautiful for ministry. And they said, you know, we don't have to worry. It's all paid off. We just can concentrate on ministering to people and this house is ours. We just have to keep it up. That's a form of peace. You know, you look at this text and you, you look at house, building a house, guarding a city, making sure that there's bread on the table. And here, it's peace when we can say, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, the, the bank account is, is almost empty, but the Lord loves me. I'm His beloved and I know He will carry us through. In times of inflation, that's what shalom, what peace looks like. 
We don't know how it's going to all in the end add up, but the Lord will take care of us. When we look back to a long period of Corona, and that's where Shalom looks like, okay, the Lord will keep us unified. The Lord will keep us safe. You know, I mean, the last time I was here was three and a half years ago. We were flying home with people who were wearing gas masks because they didn't quite understand yet what a mask is. Um, so, I mean, literally with these little tubes on them, I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? Well, a couple weeks later, I realized what's wrong with all of us. So, but in the midst of Corona, you know, that's, I mean, sure, sure, no matter what life situation we're looking at, we're all looking for shalom for peace. And here we now hear, yes, he gives to his beloved sleep. He gives us the shalom. He gives us the sleep. And it's grounded in the fact that we are his beloved. We are his favorite ones. And that is wisdom. That's wisdom that, that in all our efforts, building a house, building a career, then guarding the city, guarding our life, and then just laboring for the daily bread. Yes, we work like crazy, but in the end we say, God, you give me shalom in the midst of my labors. And that is what my life is grounded in. You know, it's interesting, we read here, unless the Lord builds the house, and unless the Lord watches the city, well, indirectly, what does that say? God is building the house. He is building the city. We are not the only ones who are laboring. God is laboring for us. He is on our side. He gives, He protects. And that's what wise living is, that we rest in this fact. Yes, we rest in the fact that He loves us. And that as we read in Romans 8 this morning, nothing will separate us from the love of the Lord. As we even just now sang, you know, I mean, if, if Christ is my Lord, if He has given His all for me, then all the questions in my life are settled. The Lord is for me. What an important lesson for us to learn. That yes, we can labor. We can accomplish things through hard work. But what really matters that we have peace in the midst of these labors. That is something that only the Lord can give us. That missing part. That these labors don't destroy us and don't consume us. And don't become our God and don't become our that what crushes us because of the anxious toils that are described here. That is something that only the Lord gives us when he gives us peace. And he gives peace, he gives sleep to his beloved. So this brings us really to the climax of this text and when he talks about house building and city building and get, gaining your daily bread, I mean, it, it reminds us of Ecclesiastes. Solomon is writing the psalm, and, and it's, it's, it's these three examples that are just examples for all of the toils of our lives. And so you can put anything that consumes you this morning into this. 
And even Solomon said, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. But what sustains us is the relationship with the Lord, that God is part of this, that we know God is laboring on our side and he is toiling with us. And so we come to the second part of the psalm in verses 3, 4, and 5. And here he reiterates what we already saw in the first two verses. And it starts right out with another highlight. Yeah, Solomon says, look. It's like a neon error. He says, now, everybody, pay attention. Look. What am I about to say? And then he says, the inheritance of the Lord are sons. A reward is the fruit of the womb. So sons and fruit of the womb are the same element. Yeah, we have parallelism here again. And then you have the inheritance of the Lord and the reward, which is parallel. Yeah, so we have the perfect Hebrew parallelism, um, A, B, A, B, order. Yeah, the inheritance of the Lord, A, our sons, B, a reward, A, is he, is the fruit of the womb, B. That's why Kali coded here in green and in blue. Like arrows in the hand of the heroic warrior. So here now a new element. It's the, this idea of arrows and a warrior. Thus are the sons of one's youth. So this is again the part B from, from, from the line before from verse three. Blessed is the heroic warrior. So here is again this heroic warrior theme that fills his quiver. Yeah. It's his arrows again. Um, with them. He fills them with them. This is re- again referring to the sons, to the fruit of the womb, to the sons of one's youth. But what is he talking about when he talks about being a hero and being a warrior with arrows and a quiver that he gets these arrows out like Robin Hood and shoots them? What's the picture here? In what sense are the children like arrows that a hero shoots? Well, the last verse resolves this picture and tells us what this picture is all about. Blessed, no, not will they be ashamed when they speak with enemies in the city gate. Now, I do not not know why the ESV, like many other English translations, refers to he, like the warrior, shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. It's plural. It's, it's they. It's the sons who are not ashamed when they speak with enemies in the city gate. What's the picture here? The picture is the city gate is the place where it's the seat of judgment. It's where people would be put before a court. And here you now have the picture of a man who is accused in the city gate of certain transgressions. But then come his sons and his daughters to his sight. Yeah, let's, let's imagine here the, the city council or the city court of Malden is meeting and Brad is before the court and, and Brad is like, I, I don't know what to say about all these accusations. And there come Carson and Haddon and Catherine and they stand before the court and say, no way. You guys are off. You're so off. You have no idea who this godly Man is. 
we can tell from the way he has raised us, from the way he has lived a God-fearing life, that any and all of these accusations are way wrong. These are the arrows that Brad pulls out of his quiver when he's like, God, what's going on? Why are these people saying that about me? What a beautiful picture. And here again, that the children come to your help and testify for you. Is that something where you can say, yeah, come on, I've raised them well. I've told them what to say. No, this again is God's immense blessing. It's God that opens the womb. It's God that lets these children grow up in the fear of the Lord so that one day they can testify for their father before court. He is the one that gives the good gift of children. And, you know, we, we don't need to now go to Proverbs and say, you know, well, I, I raise up my children. And, you know, obviously it doesn't always turn out this way. But let's return to verse 3. I just said that verse 3 is a parallel structure. The inheritance of the Lord are sons. A reward is the fruit of the womb. But let's think about this. Is an inheritance and a reward really one and the same? Is this really perfect parallelism? Or is this maybe a contrast? On second sight, this is actually a contrast. Because... If you, if your parents die and you inherit a multi-million home, then you're not going to say, see, I'm a success story. I have worked so hard and this multi-million dollar house, man, I have slaved for it. You have not, what is the German saying? I don't know. I'm always bad with idioms. But you have not done a millimeter for earning this house. It's an inheritance. It's a gift. So, in one sense, he says, your sons are inheritance. It's a gift. It's, it's nothing you have. It's not that you deserve it. It's nothing you have done for. But yet, these children one day rise up in court and they stand at your side. It's an inheritance that the Lord gives. At the same time, yes, it is a reward. The reward is the fruit of the womb. It's something that you have labored for. You have, you know, God... After all, told us, be fruitful and multiply. And, you know, you have obeyed that. Um, so it is, in that sense, a reward. And you, you raise your children. You, you build your home. And yes, it is a reward. At the same time, it is inheritance. And so here again, we, we continue the picture from the first part of the text. Yes, we labor. Yes, we build the house. Yes, we guard the city. Yes, we are anxious and we work hard for our daily bread then we see, yes, that is the reward. But then we lean back and say, at the same time, that I can enjoy this. That I can enjoy this in peace. And that this endeavor doesn't kill me and doesn't become my idol. That is the Lord's doing. He gives me this peace. He is giving me this inheritance. Derek Kittner, the psalm commentator, um, comments very fittingly, summarizes very fitting what the psalm teaches us when he says, just working hard is not the answer. 
divine influence in our routine affairs is what makes those activities successful. And that's it. Building the American dream. Saying bigger and more and everything in the superlative. That's, that, that, something is missing in your life. Until you realize, yes, what I really need. And that I can enjoy these things with the peace that only the Lord can give me. And that it's ultimately the Lord who's working on my side. That is the life that God has created me for. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm a theologian. My brother is an economist. Yeah, He's a businessman. And many years ago when I told him, you know, I really like Calvin. He says, yeah, I like Calvin too. I'm like, okay, my brother likes Calvin. Okay, why? Um, you know, like my brother, he knows John Calvin very well. And he thinks John Calvin has made all the difference. When I, when I ask him then, so, so what, why, why, what do you like about John Calvin so far? He says, well, that's what our entire economic system is built on. Like, okay. You know, you, the market economy that you have in America, that is Calvinism. That is believing God has entrusted me with a healthy body, he has entrusted me with goods, and I'm going to be working with these goods now. I'm going to be a good steward with what God has entrusted to me. And I'm going to multiply, and I'm going to grow what the Lord has given to me. And that is, that's the foundation of the American dream. It's what God has given you, what God has entrusted to you. With that, you will work hard, and you will multiply it. And that's what this psalm teaches. It's what God has entrusted you to you, the inheritance. Take it now and labor with it. But don't forget that it's the Lord who is working in it and on your side. It's not that in the end you have, say it all depends on me and you lean back and say, wow, look at what I have accomplished. No, the Lord wants you to, to live in the reality that the Lord gives to his Beloved sleep. He gives the peace. He gives the assurance. He works on our side. Now let me illustrate what this psalm teaches by looking back at our last four years of church planting before I then um, will apply this also to our lives. This morning in the hour of prayer, the hour of power, whatever, um, we, um, I gave, my wife and I gave a little review of what these last four years of church planting have looked like. Uh, our church in four weeks will be four years old. Um, my wife and I have prayed for about eight years before that, that the Lord would bring the right people together. Um, and indeed, he answered that prayer that about five years ago, six years ago, um, a family from Minnesota came and then soon after we identified a second family that was really like-minded and the three families, we started a Bible study and started studying first, first Peter together. And the Lord brought us further and further together. And we men during that time developed the, um, really the, the vision and the mission and the strategy of our church plant. And we realized just how much unity we have. And then September 2019 came. Shortly before that, a fourth family joined us. And on September 15th, 2019, we started with eight constitution uh, with eight members 
founding members, and we signed the church covenant. And really, ever since, have experienced the Lord just blessing in an immense way. Um, this missionary and I, we probably put about 30 hours of work into the church plant, so together, 60 hours of work into a rather small congregation, yeah, 60 hours of work for just like eight and then 12 and then 15 and then 21, 24 members. Uh, that's a lot. And at the same time, the Lord brought a lot of very sharp people who quickly grew and who were on fire uh, and who, you know, oftentimes they say our church doesn't have any Indians. We only have sheaves. Yeah, there's barely any Indians. Everybody is really contributing just so much. Um, Brian this morning asked us, you know, how much we are really using the web, um, the internet, and social media, and 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 we we really put a lot in. We um, posted a lot of posts and worked very well on our web page, and and I'm sure that the Lord used that also for people to identify for people that were seeking to find us. Um, we started out with the vision of saying, you know, after five years, we want about 50 people in our service. Yeah, after about 10 years, we want 100 people in our service. And um, after 20 years, we, we want to plant four or five other churches of four families and about 20 people. Um, now, already two years ago, we for the first time reached the goal of having 50 people in our service. And those of you this morning that, that, that heard us describing to you what a difficult place Austria is, um, that is very amazing. You know, this, this might seem like small numbers to you, but it's very hard ground. And the Lord to bring together a group like this, it's absolutely amazing. Our, our vision was that from our church, people would go out and be strengthening other churches. And even in the last four years, we already saw two or three members leave us again. And with what they have been entrusted to at our Christus Gemeinde Wien Church, uh, they took um, to their homeland, to Germany, to Bolivia, um, and, and are now serving, equipped there. We have, we have seen um, another church plant, another Christ church in, in, in the beautiful um, ski resort of Schlattming Ramsau, right in the center of Austria. Um, and there was a group of young people that saw, wow, if God is starting this church in Vienna, that is just a church that's just clearly word-centered and gospel-centered and Christ-centered, we can do the same. And so we have been able to, uh, although these people were only loosely connected to our church, to encourage them and help them in, 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 in this church plant about three hours away from us. The Lord has, over the last four years, given us different men in our congregation to invest in as future elders, and we call them our trainees and uh, people where we already see that the Lord will one day strategically use them for further church planting outside of Vienna. And that, although we have not even reached our first benchmark of five years. Now, what I really think, and this is now sarcasm, so I always, I'm not a funny guy, so I always need to announce my sarcasm. So what all this means is, if you guys hear about a church plant, have me and my colleague invited, and we will teach them how to do it. Yeah, We are a success story. Okay, good. Thank you for laughing. Uh, usually people don't get it. So 
And that's exactly what I'm not saying. It's sarcasm. Because I look at what the Lord has done over these four years. I say, unless the Lord built this church, those that labor, labor in vain. Have we worked hard? Have we invested many hours and much money into these last four years? You believe it. You believe it. But that we have seen such growth and such development in our church, that is the Lord's doing. And the Lord gave us this in our sleep. <laughs> yeah. While we were sleeping, he continued to work hard. Praise the Lord. And he did this to his own glory. You know, I rehearsed to Brad and Becky on Friday night just how the Lord brought people in our church. And I can say God prepared people to be part of Christus Gemeinde. Um, shortly before our church got started, um, Matthew Short, who, who came here and presented, I think in May, um, he and his wife and then another guy and his wife came and Two couples that have been praying for years that the Lord would have a, just such a gospel-centered church like Emmanuel Bible Church, the church just like that in Vienna. And when they heard through the Internet that uh, our church started, they're like, wow, we're ready. This is exactly what we've been praying and waiting for. This morning, um, I was telling you guys about our MacArthur girls. Yeah, two, two young women that were looking for something, and the last thing they were looking for is the gospel in Christ. But through the Internet, through the algorithms of YouTube, they both ended up being forced to listen to a John MacArthur sermon, and then another one, another one. And, yeah, John MacArthur led them to the Lord, basically, through his preaching. And pretty soon they were like, okay, now we know we're, we, have, we have met the Savior, but... But where, where is a church like community, Grace Community Church in Vienna? Where, where is a place where we can grow in the gospel? And they quickly found us and we baptized them. And they, for the very first time, became part of the church. We have young people that were saved, two young students that were saved uh, in different contexts and then Googled and said, took right the first church that Google gave them, uh, which was an extremely charismatic church. And that's all they've ever known. They thought all Christians in Vienna are a little um, weird and um, just very emotional and very whatever. And, well, they watched the movie American Gospel, and they realized, okay, so what we're experiencing here, that is not general Christianity. This is... And they, they realized what they were really longing for and looking for. And they came to our church and um, they just mushroomed. I mean, they just grew. And, you know, not only did the Lord prepare people and brought them into our congregation that, you know, we had no idea where in Vienna they are, but the Lord accelerated. Yeah, of Deutsch, in German, I would say, God had turbo gemacht. Yeah, yeah, turbo engine, you know, some of you maybe have a T button in your German cars, you know. That's when you really get some power in your BMW or Mercedes, the T-button, turbo. Yeah, and th that's what God did. You know, I mean, we saw some of these people that I'm describing and just attending our church just a few times. You just see the lights come on and they're like, wow, this is awesome. And just growing in the love of the Lord and 
the fear of the Lord and the ways of the Lord. And, you know, is that something that I, as a pastor, as a church planter, can manufacture? No. You believe it. This is. You better believe it. This is the Lord's doing. You know, I think Matthew brought Christopher with him when he was in May here. And Christopher is a perfect example. A young guy that started attending our church. And, I mean, within weeks, you could just see how, wow, everything was renewed and refreshed in his life. Now, at the same time, I, I look at, thirdly, I look at these last two years and I see it's not only God who pre- pre- prepared people, it's God who really accelerated the growth of these people. It's also God who has answered prayer. My co-pastor, my co-founder, Bobby, who since then has left, but um, when we started the church, we would spend at least one hour in prayer each week. Yeah, we would meet about two to four hours each week just to do all the administration and planning and at least one hour of this two to four hours would be spent in prayer. When we meet for our home groups, about half of it or a third of it is spent in prayer. One Wednesday night a month uh, is dedicated to prayer. Now, is our little Christchurch Vienna a success? I think the Lord has really blessed. Why has he blessed? I believe it is because we have asked the Lord to give and he has given us. We have knocked and he has opened. And you know, maybe let me pause at this point and ask you, as you look at developing your career, as you look at raising up a godly family, as you look at just putting bread on the table, how much time do you spend in prayer? Do you say, God, I'm building this house, but you are building it, and that's what really matters. Yes, I'm working hard, and I want to glorify you in my career, but Lord, let me see and let me experience you are working alongside of me. How much do we pray for these things? How much do we invite this fact, unless the, unless the Lord builds the house in vain labor those? Do we maybe labor in vain? Because we don't, it doesn't even cross our minds to include the Lord in the daily things. Maybe we don't have because we don't ask. Are we men and women of prayer? We have seen amazing prayer answered in this church plant. Now, you know, in 127, verse 2, right there at the climax of the psalm, we have seen he gives to his beloved sleep. To his beloved. And I think what we have seen, Christ, Jesus loves his, the local church. He loves his church. And he also loves Christ Church Vienna. As we read in Ephesians 1, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. We're just amazed. God loves this church and he is blessing it. God loves Emmanuel Bible Church and that is why he is carrying you through the ups and the downs. 
Now, about two years ago, I actually preached also from one Psalm 127 um, on the day that Bobby and Danielle Harness, our ministry partners up to that point, were leaving the country, um, which was not very easy. But in these two and a half years that we have labored together, um, about 124 Sundays, about 100 of those 124 Sundays were in the midst of Corona. So a lot of the growth that I'm describing to you happened right in the midst of Corona. Now, that's the Lord's doing, you know, that he takes right in the midst of Corona, he takes a group of eight people and he grows it, or maybe with our children, then it would have been more like 15. He takes a group of 15 and he grows it to 50. In the midst of Corona, I mean, that doesn't make sense. That is absolutely not explainable. But that's the Lord's doing. As we read in the very well-known verse in Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We, have, we can just give God the glory. He has not allowed the gates of hell or corona or anything else to prevail against it. Since then... Bobby and Danielle have left, and you can imagine. I mean, starting a church, and after two years, one of the two elders, you know, in a church that's convinced of having a plurality of elders, leaves. Um, that's very discouraging, and that is very hard. But has the Lord kept up the church? Yes, he has. We're, we still exist. Um, although losing Actually, not just Bobby and Danielle, but also another one of our core families. So half of the core families were gone after two years. Um, but the Lord is good. He has carried us through. He has given us Matthew, who you have met, Matthew and Lena, who in these last three and a half years has grown and matured as an elder and now in March has been installed and appointed and called um, to be my co-elder. The Lord is good. He, he keeps his church. And God has indeed done, given us an inheritance that is way richer than the reward that we have labored for. Now we have seen God works through his word. You know, just faithful preaching over these last four years and people's lives are changed. That's the Lord's doing. It's not our doing. Um, so I can stand here today and say, yes, the Lord gives to his beloved in the sleep or gives to his beloved sleep. He gives us peace and he gives us the inheritance that way goes beyond our reward. May you be encouraged. And so let me close this morning. And my wife doesn't say it when I say I'm closing and then I keep going for another 10 minutes, but Give me, give me a couple minutes to close and land this plane, yeah? So I have to say that so that I can enjoy my lunch. So, Okay, number one, guys, guys, um, I think there's maybe something this morning, you know, there's many things where you say, yeah, I want to build my house, I want to build my family, I want to guard my city, I want my guns, whatever, yeah? No, but, um, sorry, I had to say that as a pacifist who lives in Europe, so where there are no guns, and I feel very safe. So, okay, now, there are certain things, 
that maybe, you know, the Lord, what we need to learn about all these things, the Lord needs to be part of these labors. But maybe there is this morning something where you say, I'm just not the right person for that. And then I want to tell you, well, but if the Lord is on your side, if the Lord is laboring with you, you can do it. And so number one, we're talking about church planting this morning. And I don't know how much Brad is talking about church planting. And I know you have equipped many men, and Jared is yet the next man that you're sending out to do church planting and teaching somewhere else. Um, but how about you? Praying about this and saying, God, I think it's impossible that you would use me to be part of another church plant. You know, I don't know, the Lord, that you can really use me to lead people to the Lord in Malden and surrounding. And maybe this morning you just need to say, well, if the Lord builds the house, if he goes and uses me in church planting, I will not labor in vain. I will not guard the city in vain. You maybe, maybe you think this is way beyond me, that the Lord would use me in church planting or would use me, um, in, use me as a core family in church planting or use me in reaching my neighbors. But trust the Lord. Beg the Lord and say, God, may I experience that, yes, you, if you are in it, you can and you will use me. Pray about it. Think about it. No, this is maybe something where you say, well, this is way beyond me. But now let's come to the things that you say, well, I'm pretty good at this. You know, I'm pretty good in the American dream. I'm pretty good in building my career and, you know, building my family and just, you know, having just everything in order. Well, I think the psalm teaches us a wise life. It says, well, this American dream will turn into a nightmare if the Lord is not part of it. Because pretty soon, that job, that house, even that family will become your idol. You know, I think in all this, unless the Lord builds the house, unless the Lord watches the city, and when he gives his beloved in the sleep, look, it's the inheritance of the Lord. I mean, let's see, the, the, a key word in this text is the Lord. It's God. He's the center behind all this. He wants the glory. So you are building and pursuing your American dream, it's not about you. What the life is that God has called you is that God is in it. And that in your labors and in your busting tails or whatever you call it, you're working hard. You're saying, I do that to the glory of God that I can look back and say, wow, the Lord has built this house. The Lord has built this career. The Lord has built this city and this family. You know, maybe you are an unbeliever sitting here this morning. And, and, and you realize, you know, I, I have everything. But something is missing. This psalm tells you, yes, something is missing. Because you were not created to make the things of this world your idol and your God and what consumes you. You were created that you pursue this life 
under the blessing of the Lord, in dependence to the Lord for His glory. Now we sang before the sermon the answer to the Heidelberg Catechism. Was ist dein einziger Trost im Leben und Schein? What is your only comfort in life and death? Dass ich Christus angehöre. That I belong to Christ. And I ask you this morning, what is your life grounded in? What is the foundation of your life? What is your own comfort? And I think if, if we're honest this morning, we say, well, I, I, you know, I sang the song pretty good. I sang it full, with full steam. But if I'm honest, my comfort is in other things. This psalm invites us to say, no, my only comfort is that I belong to Christ, that I know I am the beloved of the Lord. And that is what my life is anchored in. Not that uh, people look at my Facebook. Well, people probably don't use Facebook. But, you know, Instagram accounts say, wow, they really have a cool life. No, is, is that what gives you stability and identity? Is it that your job is better than the job of your friends? Is it that your car is bigger than the car of somebody else? Is that what you find your comfort and your stability in? It's all in vain. That's what this psalm says. If that's what your life is founded in. So may we be true what we confessed to what we confessed this morning and say, yes. I find my comfort, my grounding, my stability, my shalom, my peace in the one peace that only the Lord can give me. And that is that I am, through Christ, reconciled with my God. I know I am a beloved of the Lord. And what a life that is when we then say, yes, wow, God, you give to your beloved sleep. You give us rest. And you give us, even in our sleep, this Rest in peace. Because only then, only then, it really all serves to the glory of God. And, you know, that's another perfect catechism question. What is the chief end of men? It's that we glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That all these, all these labors, all this pursuit of life, you say, well, it only really makes sense if I do it to the glory of God and enjoy Him and the peace, the shalom that he gives me in the midst of it. May the Lord bless these words to our heart and encourage us in our heavy labor, but also rebuke us in our false ways and our false dreams. Amen.